Welcome to the T-Hud Podcast. I'm Moby. I'm Leland Steele. And I'm your favorite son. Yes. Yes, he is. I finally succeeded in stalking someone and not being thrown in jail, listener. I actually got a guest by uh, emailing someone on YouTube that I stumbled upon his videos. Uh, Really, honestly, I think he's going to be an up-and-coming star in the YouTube uh, gaming video world or whatever he chooses to do. But uh, we'll we'll dive into it, but I I found uh, my favorite son and some of his Silent Hill uh, episodes. I actually jumped in about halfway through his series, so we're going to discuss that. But uh, welcome aboard, son, my son. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Great. Do you want to give us like uh, the elevator pitch for your channel? or? Yeah, so I make, uh, I make long-form analysis videos on video game series. I try to be as comprehensive as possible, um, and I try to be as personal as I possibly can. That's the that's the log line. Yeah, no, I th- I think it's great. I mean, um, you know, anyone who can make a mesmerizing fifty minute video on Silent Hill Homecoming is is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are some it's a good... hard it's hard one to do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, there are some good Silent Hill games, and I guess they all have notable stuff in them. But you made every single episode uh, of yours interesting and. Um, I, I mean, I genuinely, genuinely enjoy watching your show as a Silent Hill fan. Um, and uh, I know you recently dropped Downpour, I think, a week or two ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was that was awesome because a couple of those games, Homecoming and Downpour, I haven't played yet. So, Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's really good content. We're going to jump into that. And uh, listeners, you know... Uh, we've had a variety of guest hosts, you know, directors, actors, CGR, CGI artists, everything like that. We've never actually had a YouTuber. Um, so, yeah, really excited about that. Really excited about to hear about your journey and your struggles, your successes. Obviously, you had some early success um, or else you would still be on 13 subscribers like my marketing channel I started up two years ago. <laughs> so, so you're doing something right. <laughs> yeah. Well, your first problem was making it about marketing. I, okay, I was doing something on the Matthew McConaughey Lincoln commercials. If those are not fascinating to people, then send the asteroid because humanity does not deserve to live. That's my, that's what I say. That's what I say. And that was my most viewed. I think I got 20 views on that one, so. Ooh, uh, trending page. It, you got to start somewhere, I guess. Yeah. Actually, so not to, to pump myself up, but because I didn't post it, but years ago, um, I actually took a, uh, a advertising class in college. It was the one class I ever took with my brother, and we were in the same group. And we actually have one of the most highest rated Molson beer uh commercials on youtube it's i think it's second from top we had to do it for class we had to post a youtube video yeah i'll shoot you the link later son no no pressure to watch your advertisement but i'll uh, definitely check it out you might find it funny because you'll see me from like 12 years ago and my much cooler (laughs) brother and also my sister that's right i don't know i'm I'm actually pretty proud of it because we actually won an in-class competition with a Molson beer rep doing the judging. Oh wow. Damn. Yeah, but uh let's let's jump into the banter uh segment here. And uh Leland, maybe let's start with you. Do you did, did you bring any banter? Did you do any prep? I did very little prep as usual, but I do have a banter. 
right. And my banter is about Top Gun 2. Whoa. Speak in my heart, baby. I thought I would surprise you. Uh, but, so very recently, obviously, Top Gun Maverick. is that That's what it's called, right? Yes. <laughs> Top Gun Maverick. I don't even I don't fucking know. Because yeah. I prep. don't care. Great prep, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just don't care. But anyways... You know, it's it's winning awards. People are fucking jizzing themselves over this bloody movie that you hate, that Moby hates. I don't uh, hate it. It's you, you heard decent. it here. You heard it here first. Moby hates it. Was completely <laughs> disappointed in the sequel. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> okay, but anyways, I have I haven't even seen the original. I probably won't see either of them. But Paramount said it originally secured rights to Top Guns, which was this article. Uh, published in a May 1983 issue of a now-defunct California magazine, written by Ehud Yane. I probably butchered that name. Um, and Yane eventually er, did get kind of a writing credit for that article in the original film. But now, uh, Yane's estate, um, in, well, in 2018, they filed uh, rights termination uh, for the, that article in Paramount, and now they're arguing that you know, Paramount doesn't own the rights to be making these top, any associated Top Gun film anymore, and uh, are, are suing them now because <laughs> they oh. think they should not have been able to release Top Gun Maverick uh, as it is, you know, directly influenced by this Top Guns article from '83. Have you heard about that, Mo? Okay, yes. Late last night. Under the influence of a couple substances right before I passed out, I did see, I did see like a mention on Google News that there was some sort of lawsuit. I'm like, oh, I'll look into that later. But you've done the research for me, Leland. This is the first time you've ever done, this is the first time you've ever done the prep for me. So. (laughs) I figured, I figured you'd like it. And it seems like, (laughs) um, I mean, it's apparently the, the, the estate. The or the lawyer for the estate is I don't I don't the his name is in the article that I had read about it which I can put in the show notes for the episode but like this uh, lawyer is is like a kind of renowned copyright lawyer or, or uh, you know rights lawyer that had uh, previously been successful in garnering you know you know uh, money or, or or rights back to on a number of like Marvel properties. Uh, like from Disney, from you know, Mar- like old Marvel creators. I mean, on even on behalf of like Stan Lee and and additional other uh, writers for for those comics. And I know a lot of the time that can get really wishy washy. <laughs> you know, when you're creating like a comic book character for an entity like Marvel and now an entity that like Disney, right? So I don't know. The, apparently, this lawyer is pretty good, but it seems like a lot of it is kind of muddied because. So they the rights termination was filed in 2018, which was apparently several months before Top Gun 2 went into production. And I think due to the, you know, we've discussed before on the show that the release for Top, for Top Gun Maverick was pushed back like two times because of COVID. Now, it sounds like that timing is factoring into this as well as I think the, the estate had officially gotten the rights like back in 2021. And now they're arguing that because of the you know this date in January 2020 they never should have been able to put the film and they're arguing that the film actually wasn't finished when it was I don't really know it just seems it seems really muddied and I don't know what's going to happen 
but Paramount is ready to fight tooth and nail. <laughs> yeah. I, I think this is a classic example of settled out of court for undisclosed oh, for sure. terms. <laughs> yeah. Right? That you're going to see. Um, now, if I honestly, if I were the estate and things expired 2020, cynically, maybe I'd probably be doing the same thing, especially now, because the movie's making a boatload of money, which was my banter, was basically just to say it crossed the $600 million mark worldwide today already, which is crazy post-pandemic. Um, so settled out of court is going to be much bigger. I think right now we may never know the number, but... I mean, really in these situations, like, they can't get a cease and desist. They're not going to have it pulled from 4,200 theaters suddenly, right? Well, that's apparently uh, what they're trying. They're trying. They're trying that. Mm-hmm. They don't, yeah, they're trying to stop at all <laughs> by the sounds <laughs> of it. Wow. Which, again, like you say, like, that's not going to happen. Yeah, if they don't get those rights, they can't do the Top Gun cinematic universe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's right. You know. Goose the Ghost, a horror series. <laughs> Goose comes back yeah. to haunt Maverick with the help of his son. I got to ask you, this is on my mind, um, my son. Yeah. Who, by the way, one really cool part of your channel, son, is how organically, I think, unless you told them to, all your fans call you my son or son. I just think that's awesome. Yeah, no, they just did that. I don't, you know. They just started doing that, which which is what I hoped. But uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't have to smack them around or anything. Well, I think it may be, I think it may be started with as long as your videos and I haven't watched the earliest stuff. I'll confess, but if you started off with "Hey Dad," like you do with the Silent Hill stuff, it kind of primes mm. for that. Oh yeah. But my question for you is because this goes along with copyrights and rights. Um, have and I know this is kind of pre our segment that we're going to do on YouTube, but this is an extra question inspired by Leland. Um, have you ever had a copyright strike against you so far? I haven't had an official strike, um, but there was uh, the the Max Payne video that I did. I did a, a video on the Max Payne series. That one was really rough because my whole script uh, focused on a song called, uh, I can't even remember what it's called anymore, but it was, a, it was a song by Poets of the Fall that was made for Max Payne 2. And my whole script was centered on that song about how much this song means, about how much it meant to my the making of this video, this process. It was the whole the whole crux, and um, uh, you know, I just I couldn't use it. It was it, it was they wouldn't let me upload it. Every time I uploaded, it just got hit, and it was like you know you're 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 either gonna um, well actually it just wouldn't be monetized at all. Um, and uh, and then also the movie, the Max Payne movie section, couldn't do any of that. Um, <laughs> and the guy that I was collaborating with, we uploaded it. I probably tried to upload that video 20, 25 times in different ways with blurs and flipped pictures and borders. And yeah, it was it's a, it's a mess. It's a big mess. Yeah, that's brutal. I, I will say, I mean, obviously not knowing <laughs> the the dad will never see the original vision, but I'm going to say that at least from my perspective, it didn't, didn't hurt that video. Like I still really enjoyed that video. Um, I, and I, it was comprehensive. I watched quite a bit of your channel, uh, before we were going to have you on a, uh, as a guest, uh, as well, oh, wow. like your legacy of Kane video is great too. So yeah, I, I, yeah, that is really annoying. It's funny that this 
platform that is for creators is just seems so restrictive to be creative in uh yeah 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 it's uh i mean it's a it's a problem but it's also it's also a problem that i feel like a lot of people um are really naive about you know because mm-hmm. you, have, you have a lot of youtubers that speak out about this and they're like they need to change this they're not going to change it they can't change it they have advertisers that they're at the behest of and the the reason you get money is because of the advertisers so if they're not there you know we can't none of us can do any of this you know so it's just it's it's uh we can help it a little bit i think but it's never going to be fixed to you know a full extent yeah it's interesting i'm excited next few months here um you're a first youtuber but there is a second youtuber i've i begged to come on and she she's actually a uh a hockey um youtuber and like her channel got hammered she was given like a month-long complete demonetization and all she did was like in addition to her original content she posted like a mashup video of like hockey fights or hits or something i didn't even see it but i guess because it wasn't original content she was taking from here and there and i guess her she had a monetized channel um youtube really hit her hard for that and so um we're gonna talk to her about that yeah yeah so he's interested in that yeah there there was a guy in the in the long form analysis community actually um never knows best i don't know if either of you have heard of him but uh he he does great videos, fantastic videos. He did a video on uh, adult video games, which I thought was a amazing idea. One of those ideas that you're like, man, I wish I had that, um, because nobody talks about those games ever, not at least in that actually critical sense. And it just it kind of wrecked his channel for a bit. He went from and it was it was after that video too. That video got demonetized, and then like the next two videos he uploaded, he went from like you know, 300,000 views in a couple days to like 15 K just because YouTube was just like shadow banning his channel kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Just buries, buries them in the algorithm and shit. Yeah. Yeah. You can, it, it's, it's hard to get out after, after you kind of have like a unseen red strike from them. Well, and that's one of the questions uh, we're going to get into uh, with you for one of our segments today. So, um, did you come son with uh any banter anything you wanted to discuss or um i didn't really have anything interesting until this morning when i saw that um the uh relating to you know sort of what we're going to talk about later um the director of the first silent hill movie christopher gans or christoph gans uh came out today and said he has a third silent hill script written a third film script written um which is, uh, I, I like those movies a lot because they're so bad. Uh, <laughs> they're like a guilty pleasure. Um, so I'm kind of, I'm kind of crossing my fingers that we, that we get another, another Silent Hill movie. Yeah. You know, you and I have talked a little bit on discord as well. You know, my son, what I consider the true Silent Hill movie, which you yourself have alluded to several times on your channel. Um, of course, the great Jacob's Ladder. It inspires a huge chunk of, of the the lore in that game. So anyways, I'm, I tend to, to digress here. But I agree with you that the uh, Silent Hill movies are guilty pr- pleasure. I thought, of course, Silent Hill, the first movie from 2006, that Christoph, is Christoph, Christoph Gantz? 
Yeah, I think it's Christoph Gans. Yeah. That one was pretty good. That one actually freaked me out at parts. I mean, it was pretty, pretty dark. Like when you see like, a, uh, you know, graphically a girl being burned on coal surrounded by her mom and other people. Um, it, it had some cheesy stuff too. The whole Sean Bean subplot didn't need to exist in my opinion. Yeah. And the second movie was obviously even worse uh the only thing that was good was the the fire the carousel on fire scene in my opinion and actually the cgi on the mannequin monster was fantastic but like only those two things yeah it was it was rough i i had i hadn't hadn't actually seen that until i um did the series and um it was i i was baffled i i was dying laughing the whole time it was the it's one of the funniest (laughs) movies i've ever seen (laughs) like a hundred percent it was so funny um it was it looked like a fan film it looked like like somebody turned like a fanfic into a movie um it was great it was i loved it so much and don't yeah it's got it's got heather in it and they randomly throw in uh, that detective from silent hill 3 as well they they just wanted to butcher it all it's like let's just make a smorgasbord and throw it all together oh look nobody likes this movie except for (laughs) yeah sun and moby a little bit (laughs) but yeah that's that's interesting we'll see if it gets if it gets made i mean i would certainly see it i'm dying for silent hill content son have you ever played resident evil 8 perchance i haven't yet um my roommate actually just bought it for ps5 the other day um and i'm probably gonna play it one of these days and the reason I ask, I mean, I, I actually love that game overall, but the game is essentially split into four segments. And one of the segments, and I'm not going to spoil anything at all, is clearly inspired by PT. It It's almost as if Capcom was like, you know what, you never got PT, so we'll give you another taste of it. Um, if you do play it, please report back to me. I'm no one is making a... Uh, as Leland will attest a decent Heisenberg voice when I want to. So I'll do I'll do I'll do Heisenberg for you anytime. <laughs> Stupid dull bitch. There we go. That's that's how he sounds. So. Oh my god. That's how he sounds. That is how he sounds. I just need the hat and the round glasses. Yep. Um <laughs> Yeah, there there was a game. There was a game called. I talked about this in my my full retrospective actually. But there was a game called Devotion uh, by a, a Taiwanese developer that was very very heavily inspired by by PT and and it did that so well. Um, I think it's it's probably one of the best horror games of the past decade, fifteen years, twenty years. Um, it's it's up there with some of the greats. Uh, and unfortunately. A lot of people don't know about it because it got banned on all store storefronts after uh, because of the Chinese government. There was like a, a controversy with some joke in the game, um, and uh, so it, it kind of got buried for a while. Um, but it's out there and it's really good, and it, it does PT probably better than PT. Wow, I I would legitimately try to find that. I will. It's good. You can buy it on their website, Red Candle Games. It's fantastic very much very much worth the buy it just it does and it just does the whole sort of atmosphere and storytelling and emotional kind of like you're finding things along the way and interpretation and analysis thing just to a t very well 
Come, I mean, again, I'm, I'm digressing a little bit, but have you heard of an independent game called Siren Head by any chance? No, or I haven't. Game? Yeah, I got it. The reviews are insane. I think it was shortly around when I found your channel. I found some other channels saying this independent game, Siren Head, is insane. Um, Siren Head is a monster. He's actually made, we're Canadian, uh, myself and Leland. It's a Canadian artist uh, who made it. Um, he makes these monsters, but then he fills out their backstory so succinctly based in history that when you read it, it's almost like these monsters do exist. Because like, for example, on the Wikipedia page for Siren Head, there's like a number of clips of like when Siren Head was seen during the Kosovo War of 1998. And you can like hear a sound clip of Siren Head and you're like, oh, wow, it sounds like there's a monster maybe in the background. But of course, it's all fake, but it's all part of his backstory. Oh, that's interesting. It is interesting. Yeah, yeah. So he's like this 30 foot tall monster who has no head. He just has a couple organic sirens growing out of each other. And he mimics. Oh, I did see clips and stuff of like that. that. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So I just bought that game. I just started it. Um, and uh, I may bring it up on the channel again. So all this this indie horror is is pretty cool. I mean, there's so much out there. Layers of fear. I don't know if you ever got into that. I mean, it's a walking simulator, but it was scary as hell to me. Mm -hmm. uh, the first one, at least. So a lot of good stuff out there. Yeah. Yeah. Burgeoning. Well, maybe should we jump into our first segment there? Unless anybody's got anything else. Yeah, let's do it. Let's move on. All right. It is the movie musing segment. Uh, this one very boringly named Behind the YouTube Curtain, but that's the best I could think of. Something like Wizard of Oz reference. Which, you know, really one of the inspirations for having you on, Sun, it was twofold. Like when I thought of inviting you as a guest host, these two segments came like right away it's like one we need to talk about youtube we need a, a peek on what it's actually like to be a content creator um and i i believe we caught you at probably the perfect time of your channel you may dispute that but someone who's f got some original algorithm love started to pre produce some good content getting comfortable with the technology and going up from there but also someone who's been in it short enough i think you've been in it approximately a year and a half um, to remember what it was like to start. And and that's what we're interested in. And then also Silent Hill, which will be the second segment. But let's like start at the beginning. Uh, what, when did you decide like, hey, I want to set up a YouTube channel and do it on long form gaming or whatnot? What was your thought process and history with that? Yeah, so I was, um, I was kind of, I was like self-employed at the time. I was doing, um, I was doing audio work and, um, I just moved to a new city. I didn't really know anybody. I didn't have like, you know, a big friend group. Um, and uh, I was just, I was out of work at the time. I didn't have many jobs coming through and I was just watching YouTube videos. And um, I stumbled across uh, the great king of our, of our community, Tim Rogers. And uh, I just, um, it, it, it's, kind of it's kind of like cringy to say but i just he he kind of changed my my perspective on what a, a like game journalism could be and how personal it could be and how in-depth it could be and um because of that i just really it was it was kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back it was just i'd been wanting to sort of create something for so long and um that that just pushed pushed it over and i was playing a game at the time called 13 sentinels 
uh, Aegis Rim, and I really wanted to talk about it, so I just started writing, started editing, recording, all that stuff, and I guess the rest is happening now. It's happening now. That's cool. So did you did you go through a period of time where you uploaded your first few videos and you weren't getting much traction and you were kind of like, if you build it, they will come? Or did you get traction pretty quickly? No. So it was about, um, I think it was like April, I think it was April 2021 to about October uh, 2021. So I, I guess it wasn't that long, but it was like, it was like four months, maybe five months, um, just kind of grinding it out. But that was the, I mean, that was the fun time. Not that like making content now isn't fun or anything. It's still fantastic. But, um, back then, you know, it was a hundred subscribers, 50 subscribers, whatever. And I, I just, I, I was just making whatever I wanted. I was learning. I love learning stuff. I love learning new things. So. I was, you know, learning how to use editing programs. I was learning how to get good audio. I was learning how to write a script and make it engaging. And um, it, it was, yeah, it was, it was just really fun to do that and kind of not have anybody watch. Um, I, I always said when I was doing that, if I it doesn't matter if I ever get anybody to watch, I'm gonna keep doing this until um, until I'm 85. I don't care. That's that's really refreshing to hear. I'm not sure you've ever stumbled upon, I, I don't want to even say the channel, but it's like business. It's a network of ch uh, 12 channels. Um, the speaker is a guy named Simon Whistler, um, bald guy with glasses. He does like biographics and side stories and all these things. But, you know, he has an interesting channel. The problem is, is that him and his producers are solely running the YouTube channel to make money and to meet the algorithms. And I had this argument with their main producer once because he posted this really, in my opinion, pretentious comment. He's like, oh, we did something on naval history and not enough of you guys watched. I guess you want to take food off our tables and, and you know, that's fine. We'll never do anything on naval stuff again. And I'm like, dude, like the fuck? This is YouTube. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, and you're lashing out against the very people that you want to listen to your stuff. And I made a comment to him. I'm like, this is disgraceful. Like, we're here. We're obviously fans or else we wouldn't care and we wouldn't be watching your stuff. But don't get mad at us that not enough people watched an episode. Maybe people were busy. Maybe it just wasn't their thing. I'm like, but don't like go into the comments and pin a comment to insult everybody. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, there, I mean, there's a certain element, obviously once, once you go full time, you know, it, it changes a little bit, right? Because there's, there's a certain, there's always going to be a certain element there of this is my job. You know, I have to make money. Um, but you, you have to, you have to find the balance in that. Um, there, there's a, there's a lot of creators on the other side of that coin too, that will act like, I'm not, I'm not doing this for the money. I don't care, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, you do, you do care. You know, <laughs> if you don't make money, you're not gonna, you know, uh, survive. Um, but, uh, but I think you got to find the balance some, somewhere, you know, it's gotta be, you know, you gotta be able to take your creative liberties and be creatively fulfilled to, to be happy with what you're doing. Um, but you also, you know, have to make some smart business decisions along the way, I guess. 
But you can't yell at your audience and tell them <laughs> that's not going to work. No, I, I think a father-son dynamic is much more harmonious. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll agree with that. And, and I, you know, it's, I, your comment section has been pretty wholesome from my memory. Like, I haven't seen too many people being like, you suck for saying that Silent Hill Downpour has any redeeming qualities or anything like that. I haven't seen that. Which is great because I think you don't... You don't so much share a harsh opinion on the games that I've seen, but but like you said, it's long-form, comprehensive reporting on the games. And I like how you use that word for yourself maybe 10 minutes ago, journalism or journalist, because I see that. Like, when I watch your your 50-minute video on a Silent Hill game, whether it's one I played or not, I feel like I have a good understanding of it because... You cover what the game does from beginning to end, but you make sure that the story beats, the plots, the side quests are all covered as well. So I don't get, I don't finish one of your videos and be like, okay, this is cool, but I want to find out this, this, and this that I think was in, um, you know, Shattered Memories, but wasn't there. It's, it's kind of all there, and it's pretty much like, hey, do you want to play the game or not? That's that's the goal i mean like that was always the goal was to make it like a one-stop shop for like everything because that that was what i wanted i was like you know something i I still haven't finished or done but uh that i want to do was like there wasn't a metal gear solid like video out there that just talked about every single game there were a lot of really good ones that talk about individual games like stake bentley's video on metal gear solid 4 or paper starship's video on metal gear solid 2 or um, Tetramore's video on Metal Gear Solid 5, whatever, but there wasn't a one-stop shop place that I could go to just get all of it, everything in, in one package, and that was kind of that was kind of the, the genesis of the channel. That's awesome. So it's good to hear hear you say that, you know, that's it's having that effect. Yeah, and, and I mean this is this is interesting because obviously I have you on the show, we've talked outside of the show and had some fun. Um, I comment on your videos and stuff like that, but that's because I'm a fan as well. I found you first and foremost as a fan. And I'm like, hey, this guy's pretty cool. Let's let's see if we can have him on as a as a host as well. But I am a fan at core, and I will be when we're done this as well. So that's encouraging to hear too that you're looking into Metal Gear Solid. Um, I definitely watch those. Leland probably would. If if you want guaranteed Leland watches, do God of War one day because that's his thing. <laughs> <laughs> he loves Kratos. He loves him some Kratos. Yeah, that's that's on the list too. I was uh, kind of lurking in uh, your live stream you did a couple of days ago as as of recording this, anyways, when you had uh, announced your next um, upcoming video game series, and um, I think like yeah, I agree. Like Moby said, like at least in the live chat, it was. Everybody in there seemed like they're having a great time. Everyone was, you know, uh, happy to be there and <laughs> uh, polite to to each other. I mean, it's like any other type of social media too, right? Like, I mean, obviously, there's this kind of parasocial relationship that always occurs. But you're still building the community too, right? Which is also a, the huge aspect of it. And, yeah, just to hear like that other channel, just they're literally turning on their community like <laughs> they are yeah just yeah bad news just bad news but no i think uh, i think you should be incredibly proud of of how far you've come already in a, in a short amount of time and i know there's you know 
more and more to come. And I think we're going to get into maybe spitballing about what you have for the future of the of the channel uh, later in the segment here. But yeah, I just kudos. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. And, you know, I want to dive in a little bit. One of the things I wanted to ask you about is is the almighty algorithms, you know, the the angel and the demon for every YouTuber. And did you ever do any research on how to get favored by algorithms or did you just throw your stuff out there and just hope it got promoted? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't ever do any, any research until recently, until the past, like four or five months or something like that. Um, before that, it was just, you know, seeing what sticks, throwing things at the wall, whatever. Um, but, uh, it's, it's a, it's a beast that I don't, uh, I could spend two hours, three hours a day researching it. And I probably would never, never be able to, uh, figure it out entirely. Mostly because I think a lot of it's hidden and they, they don't really want you, you know, to know how to do that. Um, and a lot because it's just chance. A lot of it's luck. A lot of it's, um, uh, just whether it picks up that day and whether it, you know, whether, whether people click on that video, you could have, you could have everything going for you and people just decide not to watch it that day. And, you know, you get a bad start and algorithm promotes it less. And then two months later, algorithm picks it up again for some reason and people like it and then it blows up, you know, it's just, it's, it's messy. It's, it's crazy. It's chaotic. I kind of like it. It's fun. It's like gambling. (laughs) Yeah. It's, you know, it's pretty crazy. Um, you know, just how some, some people, some channels obsess about the algorithms. I mean, reading between the lines, everybody asks for subs and likes, especially likes. I've seen a lot of people beg. So I'm guessing, of course, it makes sense. YouTube looking for videos that are getting liked quickly. One of my favorite YouTubers, because I'm really into military uh, history and technology and stuff, was this guy. And he had just for years done gaming content, small community of like 3,000 subs. Videos would maybe get 8,000 views for like two years. And I guess in his day job, like gaming was his uh, escape. His day job was to be a military analyst of some sort, but he didn't ever really think of bringing that to YouTube, right? And so, but with the Ukraine war, he decided to make one video on why Russia was having issues. And that thing like blew up to like a million views in like three days. And it completely revolutionized his channel to the point that he actually made that channel about doing uh, military industrial complex stuff and then made a new channel for his gaming and that was just a case of like hitting the algorithm jackpot. Yeah. And it's interesting because what he does is he only does PowerPoints that he makes and comments on. That's it. And oh, wow. somehow he gets like a million views per video. And the algorithms have continued as he's done these long form 50 minute PowerPoint presentations on the military industrial complex. And he gets lots of subscribers. He's like uh, up to, I think, two. 200k in just a few months three months of doing it from 3000k and again it's just a case of the algorithms just exploding yeah it's uh it's it's weird because uh it's weird to think about the effect that that probably had on him um you know just just this this code whatever that decided to just like change this guy's life one day Mm -hmm. um 
because that's, you know, that's life changing. You know, that's, you, you hit it big and you know, that's your life now. You know, that's, that's it. It is. It's, it's his full-time job now. And I don't, I still don't know where that threshold is, whether it's a hundred thousand subscribers or 75 or 150, but it seems around there, there's a point that if you produce good original content, you can start to make a full-time living out of that. Uh, it's a lot less than you'd think, actually. It's pretty variable. It depends because the thing is, like, I get paid a lot different, uh, a different amount per thousand views than, like, a guy that does, like, submarine fixing videos or something or, like, lawnmower technician stuff, like, whatever. Um, so the, the RPMs between people are a lot different. So, like, you know, it might be easier or harder for me um, I might only need a certain threshold of views to be full-time. I've been full-time since like 20 K just because it's, you know, it, it just, it just depends. It's, it's so different and it's so complex. That's, that's always when I'm, when I'm meeting people now, that's always the first thing they ask me is like, how does that, how does that algorithm work? How do you get paid? How do you, and I'm like, I don't even have the time in the day <laughs> to tell you. <laughs> it's just it's so complex that that's that's another question that i had for you is um had you said that you are a full-time youtuber which you just admitted um what what is a day in the life or a week in the life for you as a youtuber do you work on it say five days a week and give yourself a weekend whenever that is do you have to go seven days a week what's it like um i am starting to find out that i am probably a workaholic um i yeah i uh it's it's like it's like seven days a week basically i the first real break i had i i had to go down to north carolina um for some stuff a few weeks ago and um i i took like a three-day vacation and that was the first time i had not worked on a video for more than like 24 hours in six months or something like that um so it's just it's just constant I, it's just it's just all the time but i like it i i love it it's the, it's the fun is i don't want to do anything else like i try to do other things and i'm like i don't want to do this i want to make youtube videos is what's fun yeah and i mean the the good news is i mean doing gaming youtube videos i mean there's you know even and i know you don't pigeonhole yourself into one genre like survival horror but even if you did i mean you would have years of content at this point in 2022 to do retrospectives live streams all those sorts of things and and i think that's really cool it's going to be uh it's going to be exciting to to see where you go there yeah yeah for sure yeah and let me just uh, check my notes here cuz i want to make sure i ask the questions semi-chronologically uh, <laughs> that I that I wanted to do. Have to develop a timeline. Well, I mean, I guess I would ask, we sort of glossed past this, but but did you have any early challenges or loss of confidence or did you just like, hey, it's fun and you're just going to keep doing it? Um, no, so there, um, actually, that, that's, a, that's a good question because, um, so when I did, so I did two videos, my first two videos, there was the 13 Sentinels video it was my very first video. I filmed it on a webcam. Um, I got my footage from using the share function, the, like the record function on the PS4. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that's great because I didn't have a capture card at the <laughs> right, time. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, it, it was it was pretty rough, but uh, so I made that video, and then I I started working on another video, and this was like beginning of 2021, 
and I had all of the footage, everything ready. I was set to edit and I started editing and for whatever reason, my graphics card died. And this was 20, like beginning of 2021 is probably the worst time to buy a graphics card in like the history right. ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was, I was pretty broke at the time. Um, I, I was just like just starting this new job and, um, I just did not have the money to buy a new graphics card. It just w wasn't there. Um, so I finished editing that video on my laptop. And then after that, it was just kind of like, I can't, I gotta wait. And, uh, I waited, I saved up money for a few months and I just couldn't, couldn't record a video in between then. And then I get my new graphics card. I'm super excited. I have this idea. It's a big idea for a new series. It's called Before and After Reviews. And what I was going to do is I was going to I was going to find games that I had never heard of before. Never heard of, hadn't seen footage, hadn't seen a trailer, anything. And then I was going to review them before I played the game and then after as well. And it was like a jokey thing and kind of juxtapose what I thought the game was going to be like and all that stuff. And I played this game called Schoolgirl Zombie Hunter and uh which i've never heard of anybody that knows it's a ps4 <laughs> game um it's terrible but uh i filmed the before part and then um played the game for like two weeks just so minute details about everything wrote the script filmed the after part sat, sat down to edit and you know my my fresh youtube brain did not think to even look at the footage um but all the before footage was bad it was terribly lit it was uh i think the audio was messed up too and i had to just scrap the video because i couldn't refilm the before sections you know because then it would be ingenuine um and uh so yeah after months and months of waiting to do this thing that i finally found that i loved that i was in love with um i could i just kept failing it was like it was so ridiculous and uh yeah that's that's pretty that's pretty demotivating stuff like that happening um but it, it comes with the territory i guess yeah that would be that would be depressing so did you did you ever consider doing that video again and redoing everything or are you just like screw it i'm moving on um i think i have the footage still i was actually thinking about uploading it as like a patreon thing um and because uh, i i look a lot different i sound a lot different there but I, I don't know. I, I might. I'm thinking about doing something with it. I'm not I'm not sure. In your opinion, I, I mean, I guess there's always room for improvement. But now that you're doing this full time, do you kind of feel like I made it as a YouTuber or or what, what's your psychology at this point in your career? I I'm a pretty uh, I'm pretty. Well, I wouldn't say I'm hard on myself, but I have high standards um, I'm always setting new goals, you know? So I think like, it's kind of a weird cycle, you know, I hit a goal and I'm like, I've made it, I did it. And then the goal changes and I'm like, no, nah, I haven't made it yet. We got to get to that goal. But I think if I really, if I really think about it, I mean, this is, this is all, um, this is all pretty bizarre. I feel like I'm in a dream. Um, you know, I, there's people that comment all the time and my viewers tell me like, you don't have enough subscribers. You're, you're, you know, you're totally underrated or whatever. And I'm just like, I do, I can't even fathom that I can make money doing this, let alone have like 35,000 people subscribe to me and, and watching my videos. Um, it's yeah, it's bizarre. So I, I think, 
I think I probably made it, yeah. One, one like, su- that's awesome, by the way. So congrats, because that means we're going to see a lot from you in the coming years. But uh, I recently, this is sad, I didn't want to do it, but there was a content creator who I had Patreoned at his maximum tier at the time. He was a former U.S. Coast Guard guy. And again, I'm really into ships and boats and stuff. And he would do these videos on like maritime disasters. But then he would, it was really cool. He would like explain all the secret stuff because he was in the Coast Guard, like different terms and stuff like that. And beginning middle of March, he got writer's block. So he said that to his patrons. But then he didn't make any videos since. And like last week, I realized that, you know, I've been in it's beginning of June and my Patreon has been paying him automatically, obviously, for like three months of no content. And he's not engaging at all his Patreons anymore. And so he was the 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 first person that I pulled the plug on on Patreon. I was like. I can't do this. Like he's like, I feel bad for the guy, but he's not producing any content over three months. And, you know, I don't want to say that's the dark side of Patreon, but you can't expect people to like, it's, it's like, uh, how do I explain it? It's like an actor has to be on stage. When that curtain rises, you've got to do something. And for him, he would only release one or two videos a month, which I would have been fine with for perpetuity, but nothing over three months. I had to pull the plug on that because I'm throwing money at nothing. So my question with that is, have you ever had to struggle with writer's block or have the ideas come come fairly easy for you? I, uh, I, I, it's definitely happened before. I don't think it's been a big issue. Not, not like that. That's, that's pretty, that sounds pretty advanced. Um, but, um, I, I, I think it, it comes pretty naturally, uh, that sounds like a brag, but it's not. I, I just, I think about when I'm playing a game, I'm thinking a lot. And um, usually at some point in the course of my first playthrough, it clicks and I go, that's it. And it's just an idea. And then, you know, it kind of just flows out from there when I'm when I'm writing it down. Um, I've never really, I don't think I've really ever had writer's block. Now you're making me scared. Though. No. <laughs> If you ever have writer's block, man, come to me. Like, I'm full of ideas, and, like, 90 of them will be shit, but maybe two you'll be like, okay, maybe I can do something with that. Okay, that's so, good. That's good. Now I'm less Now I'm less scared. Please. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> idea generation, random spontaneous idea generation is a, a forte of mine. And it's interesting that I make that comment because I actually tried to help that guy. Um, I knew oh. someone who was, like, at the top of the naval history youtube community because i jumped on with this guy like four years ago when he was tiny got to know him actually did one voice acting bit in one of his his major episodes and so i hooked him up with this guy and i'm like i'm even like here is the perfect idea for you two to do together so he talks to this guy and the guy's like yeah i'd love to do a collab with you you know i'll boost you whatever and then the guy that i pulled my patreon from just let it go he like lost confidence and he said oh no my writer's block is now extended to this thing that you've tried to help me with and at that point i'm like i didn't roll my eyes at him but i'm like he he just has issues as a creator that he needs to figure out on his own i there's like this weird 
I've been thinking about this a lot today because a lot of there's like a weird correlation with YouTubers where they're like a lot of them are really like uh, a lot of us are really like self-conscious, uh, you know, have these like which which is so ironic because we're putting ourselves, you know, in front of huge audiences. But um, and and I feel like that's where writer's block comes from is like it's like a self-conscious thing, like they've lost confidence and then they they just can't can't do it anymore or or well it's it's probably perfectionism too a lot of youtubers are perfectionists i've noticed um and and once once you let that get you you know it's it's hard to get out uh you're, you're tinkering with with things that um might not need to be tinkered with very much yeah i i would agree with that completely i also know at least a few youtubers that are like in my top 15 that I'm subscribed to that are very sensitive when it comes to comments. They will bring up in their videos like, oh, you guys are going to say this, this, and this if I bring this up. And myself, even though I'm not a YouTuber, I'm not, I'm kind of immune to sort of criticism, especially in a comment section. Like, I get it. You're going to have keyboard warriors everywhere that find you. But this goes back to your point that I, I think they're are a lot of YouTubers that are self-conscious and also don't take criticism or negative opinions well, which is is interesting because like you said, you're throwing yourself out there. You're literally on a platform to to put yourself out there and your thoughts and your material to, to be vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. I, I noticed the same thing. Um, I don't really, I don't get that that much. Um there's there's some things that annoy me for sure. Uh, if you hear the same thing forty times, um, it's it gets pretty annoying. But um, you know, uh, <laughs> I don't uh, I don't get the whole like I I don't know. I, I've never really had a comment that's been like that that hurt that one. I didn't like that one. That one hurt. Um, I'm sure it'll come eventually. But um, the the I think the only really bothersome ones are when people are like you know. When they when they comment stuff that I said in the video, but like they are telling me like they're correcting me, and I'm like I said that like that was the point of the video. You right? It. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like you didn't <laughs> you didn't listen. Yeah, exactly. Lack of listening. Yeah, yeah, but uh, but yeah, we're we're I don't know we're a we're a self conscious bunch um, that wants everybody to look at us, but don't look at us. <laughs> look at us, but don't say anything. Just stand there. Exactly. But but keep looking. <laughs> yeah, just keep looking. <laughs> well, they, I mean, they they can't actually see you, you. They hear your voice, you know, which is great. And, and one of the things I like about you is your voice because of your past uh, history with employment. I know you've done some voice work. Um, you're very articulate in your pronunciation. You don't you don't let your words kind of slur together or anything like that, which I think is good. I think that's, uh, well, it's not only good in general, but I think it's good with anyone who has English as a second language to have very tight pronunciation through your videos. Um, so that'll be helpful as well. Uh, the Silent Hill series as a whole, um, are you, are you proud of that kind of first big series that you've done? Um, yeah, I, uh, the full retrospective, for for the listener that doesn't know it, my my kind of process when i when i do a, a video essay is i 
I release videos individually on each game in the series, and then um, at the end, I, I formulate it into all one big essay, and I do interviews, and I talk with people, and I, I use that to, to find the thesis of what I want to say about the series. Um, and I think that uh, the this full retrospective for Silent Hill that just came out um, a few days ago was it's I think it's topped my list I think it's my favorite thing I've done it's it's um I'm just I'm just really proud of it I like the way it came together I like the 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 conversations that I had with people I like the sort of the thesis of it and I think I reached a a conclusion that I'm happy with Leland let's link to that full retrospective in the show notes um I think listener who's into survival horror will will be all over that yeah, um, I'm just checking my notes here on the segment. I mean, the last thing I have to ask, like Leland, the last thing I have to ask is definitively a concluding question. So I will throw it to you. Do you have any questions for Sun right now about YouTube? I think it's been pretty comprehensive so far. Well, thank you for letting me interview this segment, uh, buddy there, because you're going to do the next one for the most part. But uh my last question for you is, for those that don't know, Sun, what is next up for your channel? Um, next is Yakuza. I'm tackling the, the Yakuza series. I announced it on stream uh, yesterday, I think. I don't remember. But yeah, it's, um, it's exciting. It's an exciting one. I'm, I'm very happy to um, not have to worry about uh, ports, weird ports, and recording uh, game footage issues with old uh unsupported games um i'm happy to not be depressed all the time um i'm happy <laughs> to uh there's just so many things that silent hill was rough with but yeah it's it's uh yakuza is a fantastic series it's fun it's sad it's heart heartwarming it's heart-wrenching it's um incredibly addictive looks beautiful great games i'm excited awesome fantastic We'll be watching. Well, that was uh, that was a really interesting deep dive there. Um, so I really enjoyed that myself. But uh, Leland, why don't we talk about one game series in particular? Take it away. Yeah, let's jump right back into that uh, depressive mindset with video game variety <laughs> show, Silent Hills. <laughs> Whereas we kind of talked about before, I mean, the both of you are clearly fans of the Silent Hill uh, franchise. I have dabbled a bit. I've I've played all of Homecoming forever ago, a bit of two, some of three, a uh, bit of the room, but a bit of four as well. It it never entirely grabbed me. I don't know why. I, I don't know. But I want to put it to both of you. Let's start with you, son. What grabs you? Um, they're really uh, at, at least the good ones are really personal um they're they're very emotional games and uh they just they just have a way of of delivering a story that is very uncommon um through through this these this means of like you know not even putting the story out there in the actual game you have to you have to come back and you have to figure it out and um, the the style is is a is a Japanese take on American horror, Western horror, um, which provides some really interesting results. There, there's just a lot. There's just so many things 
to say about them that uh, in general just leaves a lasting effect on you. Moby? Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, I think an emotional response is the main reason why I play uh, survival horror in general. But, you know, I only could play Resident Evil so long and I found that Resident Evil Remake was the most, was the one that emotionally impacted me the most. I needed a bigger hit like any addict and it was silent hill and later fatal frame that that gave me that and so i agree with son that uh, uh there's this emotional impact both in the story and there's also the short-term emotional impact of you know my goodness it's 1 a.m at night and i just knocked on a stall in a bathroom and it knocked back and i opened the door and there's nothing there there's like that kind of visceral short-term horror emotion too that i like i mean i enjoy it but i'm fairly easily uh scared or or fearfully aroused for the lack of a better term by <laughs> i mean i don't mean in a sexual way maybe that's the wrong from, term you went from saying i'm a bit of a pussy to be saying i get off on being get off on i kind of psychologically do. horrified not in a, not in a <laughs> sexual way but like in a in like a i'm happy way but like okay. again not sexual you, oh sure just i knew that, that one was coming rage and fear boner ever the whole silent the whole game <laughs> it is it is and like they say the brain is the biggest sexual organ right I oh know, i've heard fuck. that before. <laughs> even though it's completely not sexual with me in silent hill so but um no, I, I I find some of the stories uh, emotional. I think that's one reason why I like Shattered Memories more than a lot of people do. Sun and I are in agreement that Shattered Memories is a good game, but it shouldn't be a Silent Hill game. But the story in that game I found incredibly personal. I, For me to talk more, spoilers warning, listener, you know, if you want to... Hopefully you had a good episode so far, but I got to get into spoilers in the story to discuss what we're discussing. Um, but like, for example... I, one of the most traumatic uh, incidents in my life was my parents went through a very messy divorce that fucked me up a bit when I was 14. And when you get to the end of Silent Hill Shattered Memories, all this horror and weird stuff going on actually revolves around a, a person, a girl trying to get over the divorce of her parents or trying to reconcile that. And that's why she's seeing a psychologist. Um, and so that, that affected me. There was also a scene in Silent Hill Shattered Memories where you're in a car and water slowly trickles into the car and you have no choice but to drown. But I thought that you could escape that car somehow. And me being trapped underwater is my number one fear in the world, being trapped underwater under something. And I remember like I was drenched head to toe in sweat the first time I played that. I had to take a shower immediately after and change because I was so scared. Because of all the jizz, <laughs> all the all the sweat poor jizz, yeah, the, fear the fearful erosion, the fearful erosion. There you go. So, shattered memories is your favorite in this in the franchise, then? It, I say that with disdain. Yes, because it is my favorite game in the franchise, but I can't say it's my favorite Silent Hill in the franchise. But if I tell Son which is my favorite Silent Hill. I think he's still gonna not respect me, so we'll have to get into that. It's, I'm gonna lose any respect I have. Oh boy! <laughs> I think I know which one it is. I guess I guess we'll get into that. We'll, we'll we'll get into that. I mean, 
I, I guess I'll throw it right out to you, son. What is your favorite of the, the Silent Hill games? Um, it's two. It's two. Um, it it's it's one of the best video games of all time. I mean, um, I think. Um, I I mean I've said this on the channel a lot. I don't I don't cry a lot at video games. I it's just a it's a weird thing where I just as much as I love them, sometimes I just can't let myself like experience emotion. I can analyze it, but um I can't get into it. But at the end of Silent Hill 2 when you're uh hearing the letter being read, it's just the the vocal performance is so good and and everything the the audio is so well designed. Um, it just, it makes me ball. It makes me ball. It's insane. Um, it's such a good game and the, the, the sort of Lynchian, uh, like unnerve of everything is just so well done to, to a perfect balance that, um, you're, you're constantly on edge. You have questions and it just it just outside of itself changed video games forever uh, it changed video games forever and changed horror forever which is a genre that how do i put this uh doesn't have a lot of game changing moments in it um especially recently yeah it, it, there's just there's just a certain quality to that game that you don't I don't think you really find anymore and is damn near impossible to replicate because they've tried. Oh boy. They've tried <laughs> several times. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's just, it's so unique. It's, it's so unique. And, and it's, um, it, it, it's, I think it, it's, it's a, it's a catch 22 because it's, it's a, this amazing, amazing game. It's so good on every level but it's the detriment it's probably the the worst thing to happen to silent hill because uh, every single game after it has has tried to live up to it and has just you know existed in its shadow for so long that uh you know we got we got that game but then we kind of had to get some other games that weren't so great right like peaked early yes yeah peaked early i definitely agree with you that uh, horror as a genre is just ripe for stagnation absolutely well i mean silent hill fans true silent hill fans in my opinion one of the main issues we have of what came after silent hill 2 is pyramid head the most iconic enemy or or one of the most iconic characters in the entire franchise served a very specific purpose to the main character james in silent hill 2 the problem is at least two of the other games um downpour and also origins tried to copy pyramid head essentially by by making a their own version of pyramid head but you can't like i get that he was this very popular character but he was a manifestation of james's guilt and desire for punishment for a very specific thing that he did and you can't just bring that over to a completely new game and character which they tried to do so you know that that was one of my issues with it. I agree. Silent Hill Two is is fantastic. Um, I have very few complaints with it. Anything that I would complain about was more tech technology based, but that's not the fault of the game. 
it's just when it came out like with that massive amount of fog and i love the fog but like there's so much of it there's so few doors that open silent hill is is iconic for having like you know you go into an apartment complex and there's like 300 doors but five open <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah, you have to try all of them to figure out the one way you need to go. Exactly, exactly. But no, I mean, Silent Hill Two is is a fantastic choice. Um, so I think that's great. My uh, my my favorite is yeah, that drop the bomb. It's it's origins. It's origins. It's origins. It's really? Origins. Really. Um, I don't know why origins is so hated on i like i really try to think about it maybe i need to watch your video again because i'm sure you explained why there's issues with it but i really liked the locations in it i liked i i thought they did a really good job with their version of the the asylum or the sanitarium you know i was a theater geek in high school so i always thought a theater with the lights out was the scariest place ever you have a theater segment I always liked apartment buildings, like decrepit apartments as a scary place because it's always like, what's behind that door? What's behind that door? And I think they got to a point in Origins where, frankly, more doors opened. So in that apartment segment, it's a little bit more fun to uh, to go through. I like the struggle that the main character had with his parents. He had this overbearing, commanding mom and then this like very simp-like uh passive father and they're actually both bosses in the game that you have to fight with your guns like full-on fight and that's so that's scary too and i mean it has issues like it has one of the pyramid head clones it's a little formulaic i'll give it that like compared to all the sign hills it's like okay you got your hospital scene you've got your running you've got this or that um but i thought travis was kind of cool i think i think what's interesting is they took a stereotypical truck driver you know kind of a gruff manly man who doesn't talk much and they're able to express his emotions through what happens to him because it's such a dramatic situation that he falls into going to silent hill it's not necessarily travis that shows the emotions it's the situations that are are around him a good example of that is actually something that kind of sucks plot wise which is why why is lisa in this game lisa the nurse and why is she having sex with dr kaufman but you can tell in that <laughs> you can tell in that scene though that travis i mean he's attracted to her he likes her because lisa will flirt with him and suddenly he walks in and they're just getting their clothes on after doing it and you can just tell that travis is you know he's ticked off or unsettled by this partially due to his past that you know his overbearing mom didn't prepare him to do well with women and maybe like i'm insinuating a little bit too much for what the developers thought but i always just love that game to death um yeah i think uh, it's interesting to hear because i don't uh, making the series i underestimated how vast the opinions are on silent hill uh overall there's so many people that have come out and been like homecoming is my favorite silent hill game but it's the best one and i'm like what really um or like that as people say that about downpour people mm-hmm. um but i i don't get a lot of uh i don't get a lot of a full diet like i don't get them to explain it you know um so that, that's interesting to hear you say that about origins um i i think my biggest issue with it was kind of the the story layout um you 
it feels like it's trying to do a Silent Hill 2 thing, but it like gives you all the reveals really early. So by the end, you're kind of like, well, what's left, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, it, and then, like you said, it's doing the weird like uh, prequel, you know, Kaufman, Lisa, Dahlia, Alessa, uh, the big faces in there and everything. Um, I don't, I don't think it's a bad game, and I think it does Silent Hill one really well. I and I, that's kind of my opinion about a lot of the Western developed Silent Hill games is they're they're not most of them are not bad games, um, despite what the Silent Hill community would have you think. But, you know, again, like, because the bar was so high at the beginning, they seem like they're the worst things that have ever been created. So, yeah, it's definitely not a bad game. It just wasn't, uh, uh, I didn't love it. No, and, and, and I understand that. And, you know, what I would say, I mean, listener can't see this, but, uh, you know, we're recording on video. If I had a graph to show uh, Sun, you know, where I thought you've kind of got Silent Hill 1, then you go up to two, and then three's maybe a little bit below, four maybe a tiny bit below. But then in most people's mind, you kind of crater and maybe make a little bit of an upswing on downpour. Downpour yeah. seems to be, based off the comments on your videos, if there was one Silent Hill that seems underrated by the community, it was probably downpour. And especially when you went through, because I've never played downpour, but when you went through some of the side quests in that, those have to be the best side quests in Silent Hill. Yeah, they're fun. There was that one with the Grammy phone where the guy murders his family and you have to run through what happened in reverse and you're seeing ghosts. Yep. That honestly, I, I have goosebumps right now. I And I had goosebumps when I watched you, when I watched your video showing that because that is like creepy as fuck. Like a guy that kills his wife with an axe right in front of you. Luckily, they don't show the kids, except the kids' portraits are bleeding on the wall, yeah. so you know they got yeah. it too. Yeah, it has it has some very cool side content. That game that game surprised the hell out of me. I was like, because everybody made me think that it was terrible, and I played it, and I was like, this is a moderately okay game, you know? And I mean, <laughs> Not bad. it it had big flaws, like you showed. I mean, it wasn't particularly scary. The low level or the low amount of enemies was not good only the ghost ladies were kind of inspired yeah but i do kind of like the shawshank redemption-esque overall plot even though they didn't quite pull it off i like the idea because i think that would cause a lot of psychological trauma imagine you're a good guy you're trying to get revenge for your son i think many fathers would do that but it's like literally make a deal with the devil that's that's kind of the problem the biggest problem with the game overall is that like because the endings are so dynamic we don't know if he even did that mm -hmm. you know we don't know if he actually went through with it uh we don't know if he uh went through with coleridge we don't know if he you know it's just it's so they they took the they took too many liberties with the ending system um and made what used to be sort of a a system to see what happened in the future now a system to see also what happened in the past what what led up to the game and that drastically affects the symbolism and uh, that the game presents you um so yeah that that muddied it up a little bit but it was a really interesting concept and it felt like they were going in kind of like a new direction you know like a a different like not 
totally trying to do to Silent Hill 2 a little bit because they have to, but you know, trying to trying to do a little bit of their own thing. It was it was they were getting there. They were getting there. Yeah, they they were close. And I think what you can definitely say about uh, the obscure studio that did Downpour, they tried. Man, that was like the little engine that could or almost could. Um, they they treated the subject material with respect. Um, it's too bad they couldn't really quite pull it off in the end, but um, but it definitely seems like they they tried. So I mean, I, I my favorite game, which I just said, Origins, uh, is what I would I guess also pitch as the most underrated game, even though I'm sure not a lot of people would agree. But unless you've said it already, son, what do you consider the most underrated Silent Hill game? Is it Downpour? Is it one of the other games? Book of Memories. No, I'm just <laughs> I was um, like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> what I know Leland doesn't know. That. I was like, "What?" <laughs> uh, no, no. I would say four. I would say mm, the room. Good choice. Um, people, that game gets way too much. I, I, I hated on it a lot too in my video i did but that game should be uh recognized for what it was trying to do it was it was so um influential for the time and even in the series itself it you know it it just it was so close four was so close to being something so special but the gameplay um you know the the big thing in my video about it was that Horror is the hardest genre to get right. I, I firmly believe that. I, I believe that it's it's uh it's just so difficult because you're you're riding a very fine line between um having a game that, that feels good to play and that you want to keep playing, but also not making it so much about the game that you realize you're playing a game. You can't the the audience can't realize they're playing a video game. If they realize they're playing a video game, it's not really scary anymore. And if your main goal is to be scary or atmospheric, then you've kind of lost that. So so when you're uh, sort of like min maxing almost and trying to juggle a bunch of mechanics, um, it's not it's not the place for it. At least not in Silent Hill. Um, but it it did a, it did a lot of things right. It um it it had some really cool like first person sections. The story was really interesting with the different worlds that you travel to through the the hole in the bathroom. Um everything looks really dirty in that game and um it it just has a a really like nasty aesthetic that that fits Silent Hill as a whole. Um yeah, it, it was uh it, it gets it gets too much hate for sure. Yeah, I, man, to think about what that game did right, because fun story. So I was actually introduced to Silent Hill. It was pretty creative um, many, many years ago. We're talking like 2006, 2007. Um, Leland had bought a PS2 Slim. He had a PS2 Big Boy, like the original. Um, He gave me that one. He gave me a plastic bag, and he basically said, pull whatever PS2 games off the shelf. Happy birthday. This is your birthday present. Fill the bag. Um, of course I was polite. I didn't take everything to fill the bag, but, um, I did take all the Silent Hill and Fatal Frame games. He had two, three, four, and he also had the three Fatal Frame games at the time. But the issue with Silent Hill 4 is his, I don't know why the fuck you did this, Leland, 
but it had this critical scratch on it. So during this one cutscene, halfway through the game, no matter what you did, how you clean the CD, it would fail at this point. And it was like that halfway point. It was, I think, right after the water tower. It's a cinematic that's important to explain who, um, you know, the serial killer guy with the long hair is, Walter. And the game would just quit there. But I played the game like three times to get back there because there was some pretty cool stuff. The ghosts, the ghosts were so scary and you only have a select amount of swords and even the swords can't kill them. You can pin them. So it's literally an indefeatable enemy and the ghosts are produced so well. They warp your screen. They make this really disconcerting noise. They kind of float all limp towards you. Um, each ghost has a backstory because they were murdered by Walter, uh, the main antagonist. And so, yeah, that, that was really scary. The first person segments were scary. What I liked was originally the apartment for the start of the game is your safe spot. It's like, oh, thank God I'm back in the apartment. But then the apartment later doesn't become a safe zone. And in fact, you start to take damage in it. And I thought that was genius because it makes you very unsettled. So you're right. I mean, I've only played half the game, but the half that I played was was really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a good one. It's a, it's underrated for sure. So would what, what okay. It's funny to hear he listened to again listening to I haven't said very much, but um the just because of how long running this franchise is it's clear to me, and I have watched every one of your videos on all of the games, so I've at least oh, have that you. knowledge. But yeah. it's just how it's very clear that you just see the influence of the the culture of gaming as a whole when these games are released, and I think that to me that really stands out as playing the the largest factor uh, in influencing the direction of the franchise. I mean, I just think of correct me if I'm wrong, but like the introduction of the QTEs and homecoming, like that was such, that's such a relic of that point in gaming history. Every fucking game was injecting QTEs in it. Right. Every single action oriented game, right. Just everywhere. So I don't know. I just, it's very interesting to, to be able to, to reflect on a franchise like silent Hill and just, very clearly see where the majority of these influences for good and bad uh, came from. I just find that incredibly interesting. Um, the, because we're talking about homecoming, homecoming was kind of crazy for a lot of reasons. Um, because, you know, as well as doing like all that stuff, like being like really trendy for the time, um, they were trying to make that like a three game saga, um, like a, like a trilogy where, um, josh the the younger brother in the game would eventually like have an anime battle at the end of the third game with alessa for control of silent (laughs) wow i didn't know that (laughs) yeah there's um and uh apparently there was supposed to be like some like universe thing like they were gonna bring everybody back they were gonna bring like james back and like uh walter sullivan and like all these big name characters were gonna come back um it was crazy, and uh, there's um, there's actually a really good video called um, "The Tragedy of Tom Hewlett" by The Great Debate on YouTube. The Great Debate's fantastic. It's uh, Bob Vids and and Void Voidberger, um, and uh, 
they they kind of go into that whole thing because Tom Hewlett was kind of like the whipping boy for Silent Hill for so long in the the western developed games like everybody blamed him for everything that happened and they they kind kind of finally get his side of the story and he was like you know I I kind of made it like I did as much as I could because this is what it was supposed to be <laughs> and uh it didn't get there you know he was like he was kind of like the secret hero almost so it's Homecoming's a crazy a cra- there was so much that that game was trying to do um, that Konami wanted it to do. It's it's nuts. It's nuts. Yeah, I I gotta try. I mean, I own it on PC, so I don't know how well it'll play. But seeing as it's so combat heavy, um, I figure PC usually has better controls. Um, so yeah, I should give it a shot because I haven't played that and I haven't played Downpour. Those are the, uh, um, the two. Homecoming did not work for me on PC. I couldn't get it to work, and I spent like two solid days troubleshooting and researching forums and fan patches and uh just modern machines um but you could try yeah i might you try know, it's it always worth the i already bought it so i might try it and if it fails yeah. whatever i'll get it for uh actually no i won't get it i don't have a ps3 or ps4 so well i'll tell you you could you could try to run that game on whatever fucking amazing rig you want you can take it to nasa and run on their computers you're not going to be able to dodge anything in that game. So it <laughs> doesn't matter what you fucking play. That's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, so, Leland, did you beat the game? Because if you did, this is a surprise. Did. Why didn't you tell me, man? I Well, because it, so, it was so long. It was like more than – it was 15 years ago or, or over a decade ago. I had it for 360, so I played it on Xbox 360. And actually, I, I mean, I remember it pretty distinctly because I was actually visiting my mom at the time. And I was like in the basement just playing Homecoming for like the two or three days that I was there supposed to be spending time with her. So I remember it pretty vividly, actually. You're not her favorite son. (laughs) (laughs) She would have another if she met her guest. (laughs) Oh, man. I mean, son, like, do you have any ideas about where Silent Hill is going to go? go if anywhere like do you think it's it's dead do you think we're gonna see some crap north american sun hill in five years i i kind of i kind of talked about this in the um in the the full retrospective that i did but you know um it's uh i i think i think it just needs to die i think they need to uh they need to take it out to pasture it, it uh i think i think as silent hill fans you know uh like sort of the the crux of the video was like was like should we let go you know and and we should i think we should um i think that what silent hill did for video games is there like it happened it's there and it inspired a generation of people that are are indie developers now working on their own silent hills um it's kind of like uh i i hate to quote him but uh a while ago max landis tweeted um they they they'll make another star wars but they'll never make another star wars right like they'll make a star wars sequel but they'll never make a movie that was like you know as genre defining as star wars and it's kind of like that like they're gonna make more silent hills but we need to look for the the silent hills that are being made right now by indie developers and i think that's where horror is the the triple a horror genre has just been kind of a dead 
barren wasteland for a really, really long time. And, um, but the indie scene is not. And, um, I think we need to look to the people that actually got the torch passed to them by, um, team silent and, and those people, um, and, and see what they're going to make. Because like, you know, like I said before, red candle games, uh, puppet combo, people like that, like these people are making very good games inspired by silent hill um that feel more like silent hill games than whatever konami is going to make next yeah and and i know you don't want to pigeonhole yourself into a particular genre but could you see yourself do some sort of retrospective or videos on these independent horror games moving forward or you're going to leave that to someone else um yeah i don't i don't know somebody had asked me about that um the other day and um I'm not sure. It's it's certainly a good idea, and it's something I'd love to do. Yeah, it would. I think it would all just be a matter of framing on the channel. I'm very particular about how my my video channel, like my videos page, looks. I don't I don't like uploading streams there. I don't like uploading one-off videos or anything. So uh, maybe I just need to get out of that a little bit. But I I could see it in the future. Um, I sure have a lot to say about them. That's for sure. But yeah, I mean. It... Well, I mean, I'm not going to try to influence you either way. I, I know you'll do a good job with whatever games you do. So uh, there's there's a lot of content out there to, to cover. So yeah, I can't wait for Yakuza. So and, and to be quite honest, I haven't watched the full retrospective yet. I've watched all the other ones. But um, the full retrospective, I'm definitely going to watch next couple days here. Yeah, check it out. So, like, that's, Leland, that's all I've got on the uh, topic. I don't know if you've got any more to ask or... Um, I mean, not nothing in particular. I do really like that idea, though, of, you know, just the, 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 the influence living on in future projects that aren't necessarily, like, directly involve future projects, which I think just, I mean, that happens in every creative aspect, right? Like... If very, very quickly, we are going to be getting to a point, uh, as far as just technology goes in the video game, where, I mean, there are already generations of, of video game players that will not get to experience specific experiences that, you know, maybe someone in our, our age grade or even older than a few decades older than us look back and say, wow, this was the pinnacle. So... Those same experiences, though, don't need to die just because you literally can't play Silent Hill 1 or whatever, right? Like in 10 years where you just cannot get Silent Hill to work or Silent Hill 2 for that matter. They can live on and, and you and you see that and you see that in movies. I mean, every genre has their their staples and, and their own examples of that. And I, I, I'm almost – it almost seems like I'm making an argument for – reboot well i'm not making an argument for reboots because obviously that gets played out too much but you can almost make make the case where that spirit like spiritual successors right like i guess that's where a lot of these these experiences need to continue and that's where they're gonna live that's where they can only live eventually yeah i mean that's that's totally fair it's funny as you say that like i want to joke like lost experiences like N64, GoldenEye, bottle of Coke, and Doritos on like a Friday night in grade eight. That was like <laughs> life back in the day. And I know we're probably a little bit older than you are, son, but back in the late 90s, my boy. 
Listen to your dad. <laughs> Those were video games back then. Mine, mine was uh, probably Halo, I guess. Oh, yeah. Instead of Goldeneye. Halo, no, Halo was great. Halo was great. And um, I had a buddy one time who lived about three hours away, drove down to just stay with me for like three, four days, and brought his Xbox 360 in, in Halo. And I had never played, and it was... It was awesome, just like the frantic nature of that. So many games have impacts on us like that. You know, oh, yeah. Like Zelda, which is another one of my case. Leland, obviously, God of War. Factorio, which is basically heroin Ooh, mixed with cocaine <laughs> for Leland. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a huge – I love, uh, like, sim games, like like management. So, oh, my God. I just – it's, like, it's like bad for me. Like, I can't – if I – if I start playing those again, like I have to like quit because I'm like yeah, I can't. Absolutely, it's this is just gonna. Ruin you gotta everything. and you gotta go cold turkey too because otherwise you can't. Yeah. You can't do it. Yeah, just a little bit. Just just some <laughs> frost punk. Like, I'll just play some. Frost right? Punk. Yeah. Exactly. You can't have a little bit of Cracktorio. You can. You have to have the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Cracktorio. See, I never got why he's so into this game, but. We joke about it. One thing that pumps our algorithms here, son, will reveal it. We talked about Factorio once. We had like a huge spike in listeners. Oh, that's true. It seems... So, so what you don't know, what what I think listener might know this, but we actually tag no matter what episode with Factorio. <laughs> just, just bring it up every time, just right? in case. Yeah, we can talk about it every time. I have Factorio been playing it again. So. <laughs> there we go. We all love Factorio. Take it again. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Well, that was good. Yeah, that was good. It was good. Yeah, I mean, do you, I don't know if you have any closing comments you want to make about Silent Hill there, uh, son, but I think uh I think I think the whole the whole message is just uh just if you like horror games, support indie developers and, uh, you know, pay attention. Keep your eye out. Look for them. Play them. Uh, buy them. Yeah, because there's, there's a lot of good stuff out there. And, um, I mean, I probably got five names in my head right now of great indie horror. And I never made the connection that you did, which is really smart, that it was games like Silent Hill that led these indie developers, I just kind of thought like, oh, they just came out of the woodwork and started making cool shit. And I didn't really connect. No, of course. Visage, which I don't know if you play, but Visage is inspired by PT. And it's like, okay. Well, the the horror, just like, uh, I'll, I'll make it short. But like the, the horror is like, the horror genre is kind of plagued by YouTube, honestly. Um, in like the early, I don't know, like 2010s era um every game was trying to be amnesia because mm. if 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 it was a let's like if you could make a let's play on it and it had a bunch of jump scares to scare youtubers then you gotta you know that's a good horror game and i think um i think that's still a big effect so um it just it needs a change it needs to change and we shall be here to cover that change <laughs> forever and ever and ever <laughs> why don't you just give yourself a, a closing plug where we can find your channel any of your social medias i don't know if you have if you're on twitter or whatever any any of that um yeah uh so your favorite son on youtube um 
you want to if you want to see any of the videos i talked about here uh on twitter you can follow me at your fave son one um and uh yeah from there you can find all the other ones i stream on twitch and youtube every once in a while and have a discord with a cool little burgeoning community that you can join excellent be a good dad that's all i'm gonna yeah, say be respect a good dad. Well, our end of show stuff, uh, you can find our website, ttpopcast.com. Again, all our show notes, which will have uh, links to uh, your favorite son's YouTube and Twitter, uh, in addition to a moderate amount of written content we've had on there that is now getting to be four years old. Uh, I'm at Leland underscore Steel on Twitter, and that is who I've been. And I've been Moby. And I've been your favorite son. Take care, listener. Thanks, listener. Bye-bye.